This episode of The Jake is brought to you by MVI Home Care. Our primary concern is your health and well-being. MVI is built on integrity, respect, communication, confidentiality, and teamwork. We are committed to providing comprehensive, high-quality home health, hospice, and infusion therapy services in a safe, responsible, and cost-effective manner. Our goals and yours are the same. Your care and well-being are our primary focus. Welcome back to another episode of The Jake, episode 10, the Brady Quinn episode. And I thought Brady Quinn was going to be the man. I was like so certain of that. He was coming out of Notre Dame. They were, the Browns were thinking about taking him at number three, and I was all for it. I wanted it to happen so badly. Jamarcus Russell went number one to Oakland. Number two was Calvin Johnson. And number three, it was going to be either Brady Quinn from Notre Dame, Joe Thomas from Wisconsin, or Adrian Peterson from Oklahoma. They went with Joe Thomas, who I was like, uh, you know, I guess I guess that's like, you know, the safe play. And I was a left tackle in high school, so like this happened when I was going into my senior year. So I was like, okay, I can respect this. I, I, I like this pick. It's not not bad, you know. You know, 10 years later, it ended up being an amazing pick because he's made a Pro Bowl every single season. Um, I did watch Adrian Peterson go to Minnesota and, you know, have a Hall of Fame career there too, but the Browns didn't mess up that pick, so not bad. However, the Browns did trade back into the first round to get Brady Quinn, and I was, like, losing my goddamn mind. I was so pumped because I was pretty certain he was going to be, like, the answer in Cleveland. And you know what? It just didn't work out. That happens. Whatever, you know? <laughs> uh, he was like captain check down his entire career in the NFL and uh, never really threw the ball deep. He had like one good game against Detroit where we all thought it was going to be like the future Brady Quinn. Here we go. And uh, no, never really, never really came to life. But the Brady Quinn episode, number 10. Definitely one of the jerseys in my closet. But man, it's pretty sweet. Episode number 10, already into double digits. And, uh, you know, we're rolling. Tonight, I'm picking up my first t-shirt, so I'm going to wear that uh, to uh, a party this weekend. That'll be a lot of fun. Get to show off uh, the logo and everything like that. I uh, got intro music coming. I know it's uh, probably an, another week or two away from actually applying the actual intro music so I don't have to play like staticky YouTube videos but really excited about that too and um and yeah I mean I'm pumped because this is a Friday morning it's Friday June 30th and this is my last day of work until July 10th because I'm going on vacation every year at July 4th we take off that week so the four days surrounding July 4th and go down to the Outer Banks, meet up with my dad's side of the family. And this will be the 34th year that we're doing this OBX vacation. It's really something that I think all the cousins take for granted sometimes because, you know, it's tough to realize how, 
you know, this is, this is something that we, <laughs> like, we've always grown up with, that we've always lived with, and it's amazing that we've had this our entire life, where, you know, I have family that lives in Ohio, and Chicago, and Texas, and Atlanta, and Tennessee, and New York, and I'm in Jersey, and it's like, it's, you know, there's everybody scattered all over the place, you know, like, D.C., and yeah, it's it's crazy, and yet we still find a way to see each other for a whole week down at the beach in the Outer Banks, and it's it's something that like you know you don't realize is that great until you're not doing it. So maybe um, I'll never get to fully realize how much I'll miss it, but this is going strong. This will be the most people we've ever had on the vacation, simply because we have full attendance and. There are six great-grandchildren that are going to be there. So th that'll be an interesting dynamic. You know, see, there is a, you know, usually the kids all sleep in the basement. But considering there are that many new parents, we're probably going to have to be sharing the uh, the basement with uh, some young parents, which uh, I don't know how that's going to go over. We shall see. That'll be a lot of fun, though. And, uh... If anything, we'll just have to move it outside. The parties will have to be on the beach. Oh, no. Poor, poor us. So, yeah, pretty pumped about that. And usually what we do is we started for the longest time. We would go Friday night. We would leave Jersey, um, get dinner down in a town called Delmarva, which is on the Delaware, Maryland, Virginia border. And... Uh, <sighs> There we would get crabs and and go to this place called the Old Mill Crab Shack and you know meet up with a couple of our other cousins and from there drive a couple more hours down into Olney or Essex, Virginia, and uh, stay the night, then do the next four or five hours the next morning. But last couple of years we haven't done that. We would try and do it all in one early Saturday morning where my dad would wake up at three. We'd all jump in the car sleep for a little bit and dad would drive down then we'd give dad a break and in eight hours we're there by breakfast and kind of like that kind of like that uh we didn't have to make it a two-day thing and considering you know what <laughs> all the amount of fun that you know like my sister and i have here when we go out into like the parker house and you know boathouse and you know, all the bars in belmar and asbury park like this type of weekend, we really don't want to miss two nights. So we like the staying in town for one night and leaving early next morning. However, this year, we're even taking it a step further. My parents are going down Friday night doing the sleepover thing in, in Virginia. But Maggie and I will be heading out early Sunday morning because we couldn't miss the Scotto 6th Annual Fourth of July party. I'll be like two hundred people there, three fifteen Madison Avenue. You should, you know, tell your friend, tell your friends, tell your friends. It'll be, you know, full service bar, DJ, twenty one older, no exceptions. And uh, if you want to bring friends, you can bring whoever you want. Uh, just make sure, you know, like you act accordingly. This isn't a summer house. This is like, you know, my, you know, my friend's house, their family house. So, you know, something like, you know. Be respectful. There will be, you know, food, mac and cheese, 
and this mac and cheese is like more than food. It's it's pretty gross, but it's it's like twenty pounds of you know beef and you know bacon and four cheeses and pasta. It's all it's crazy. And uh, yeah, six o'clock at the Scotto House, uh, three fifteen Madison Avenue in Spring Lake. So if uh, you're looking for a fun Fourth of July party, this one will be on Saturday the first. And this is the reason Maggie and I are going a day late because we didn't want to miss this party. We figured, hey, we can make it on our own driving down. So why not? You know, let's go for it. Let's let's try and make this happen now. My parents wouldn't let me do the 3 a.m. drive, which, you know, I, I get that. Like, that's fine, whatever. You know, like, they don't want me to do that. They, they were like, all right. So we negotiated to 5, 5 a.m. So 5 a.m. Sunday morning, we're OBX bound. Hopefully be there by noon, early afternoon-ish. And, uh, and then we'll have all the fun in the world when we're down there. So this is going to be a great 10 days for me, at least. Uh... So yeah, so be jealous. And you know what? Don't actually don't be jealous. Fuck that. You know what? Everyone's about to have a ton of fun. This Fourth of July weekend. If you're an American, you know, some people like to take it for granted that oh, you know, it's it's about just like everyone just getting drunk and fireworks and blowing shit up. It's like, yeah, well, you know what? If that's how you want to celebrate, that's how you can. You know, that's what our forefathers fought for. Your freedom to do whatever the hell you want on Fourth of July. Respectfully, of course. So, you know, do what you're going to do. All right. So this week, I want to do a new top five. You know, in honor of going to the Outer Banks, really excited to do top five beach activities. I asked you guys on Twitter to send in some some ideas, and there are some pretty good ones. Um, you know, like there was, uh, I think, Ryan Cunningham, Joe Rapola, Tom Scotto, got a lot of... Got a lot of people commenting, which was really cool. I'm gonna give you my top five in a second, but what do we get from what do we get from like Joe Rapola? He, he had some good ones. There are some good ones out there. And Sean McGuire, thank you for for replying. These were these were good ones, but one of the ones that I like a lot is like you know just, you know we'll just jump right into my top five. Number five for me is wiffle ball. You know, everybody likes playing, like, beach games, stuff like that. And I think wiffle ball is, like, the king of beach activities. You know, you can have your can jam and frisbee, you know, playing catch. All those are great beach activities. But, I mean, playing wiffle ball is, is like, the number one for me, you know, when it comes to, like, sport-related beach activities. <laughs> number four, uh, I'm going to go with, like, a typical, like, nap slash tan. You know, there's nothing like getting a tan while you're not even awake while you're taking a nap so that's like that's an easy one for me i think that's you know probably a number one or two for a lot of people but i don't tan all that well so you know <laughs> i need to like take care of the skin i'm usually a shade guy but i do appreciate a good lap, like nap tan because knock out two birds with one stone when you're also getting tan while you're you know, napping on the beach. So it's pretty hard to beat that. Number three for me is typical drinking beers with uh, the fam or your friends, whoever, just grabbing a couple cold ones, cracking them open with the boys and just, just chilling, just chilling with beers. I think that's awesome. I think that's like the way to like, just there's like, oh, <laughs> hard to beat that feeling of being on the beach 
and cracking open some beers, just having some fun and just like chilling. Like that, that, like that's the life for me. And that's what like every time I think of the North Carolina vacation, I, I immediately go to like just chilling in the sand, cracking open some beers. So that's, I mean, that could be number one for me. So this three, two, one is going to be really close. Number two, I'm going with wave crashing. And this is like back to like the activity side of things because we would be big fans of, you know, this is down in the Outer Banks again, grabbing a ball, leading your man into the ocean. Now, like like throwing it above them, behind them, so that they have to go basically like a route, run a football route into the waves, though. So you're like getting hit while you're making the catch. I think that's still to this day like the most fun thing to do in the water is when you have like a couple people you lead them into the waves make them catch it as they're crashing in it is it's like really hard to beat that and i know i have some family members who are like yes jake absolutely you fucking nailed it like that is exactly what we're talking about and so like i love the wave crashing the route running into the water i think sean mcguire pointed that one out because that is that's the best one you can do it into the pool too but you know, usually you have like you know, like your ants are like chilling in the pool and stuff like that, and you know, you don't have the wave aspect, and yeah, it, people don't really love it when you're just jumping into the pool like that, kind of like ruining everything else. But when you go into the waves, that's that's like the real deal there. That's the way to do it. So, wave crashing definitely number, and it could be number one, could be number three, but I'm I'm going with number two. Number one, actually, no, this is a really good one for number one. I like the late night fire pit. You got some places you can't do this. You need like a permit when you do it in North Carolina. So I respect the whole like, you know, game on that. But it is, I mean, a late night fire pit where you can just like be chilling out there till all ends of, you know, whatever. You can go till like late at night if you can get away with it. That's like it's it's the same idea of just drinking beers on the beach but this is like taking it to the max because you have got it made when you're drinking by a fire pit it is it's it's the way to go i love it i i we did it a couple years ago and it was it was so much fun just like there were, there were like 12 of us too we were staying there it was late it was not the last night but the second to last night and we were just hanging out playing games, just talking, and, and it's like, you know, everyone has kind of like their little groups when we're down on vacation, you know, like, everyone kind of like buddies up sometimes, but this kind of takes that away, because then we're all sitting down there, we're all together, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty great, so I'm a big fan of the beach fire pit late night. So, if you've got a different top five, if you've got something I missed, you know, I know Can Jam is a popular one. Um, again, like, you know, just any type of catch in general is another good one, too. I totally get that. If you've got other ones, let me know. Comment on uh, Twitter or Instagram or whatever. You know, text me. Tell me I'm wrong. I don't, I don't know. I mean, just, you know, comment. Let me know what you think because... Uh, I think running routes is right up there into the waves. That's what Sean McGuire said. And, uh, okay, here we go. Joe, Joe Rapola brought up cornhole, boogie boarding, reading on the beach. Yeah, those are all good ones. You know, you've got great, you know, great answers here. 
there are a lot of fun things to do on the beach. So let me know what you think. Okay. Do a little, uh, do a little movie review here. Went to see this one last night. This is the reason I'm recording Friday morning instead of Thursday night, because when I got back, I was a little too tired. So I just said, you know, what? I'll get to bed early, wake up and do this all in the morning. I went to see The House with Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler. And, you know, when I saw that it was rated R, I was like, okay, here we go. You know, my, my friend Brand pointed out, he was like, depends big time. You know, if they get that R rating, is it going to be good? You know, that's, that's like kind of like the kickoff. If it's going to, if it's a PG-13, it's like, no, and you're into the daddy's, ha uh, daddy's home type like realm. And, you know, I, I actually, I don't even know what daddy's home was rated, but, but this was rated R and, uh, you know what? It just, it wasn't that great. It, they had a lot of really funny moments. They had the funniest cast possible and they had like the perfect plot and setup and everything. It just, it just didn't land. I don't, I don't know what happened because I thought it was pretty funny and I'm usually the one who thinks movies are perfect when they come out of the theater. But this one, I was like, I don't know. It just didn't like land with me. I don't know if they, it, it kind of seemed like they went from, you know, the first half hour of the movie, I'm like waiting to laugh and I'm like, all right, okay. Like a, they made Will Ferrell a little too like stupid in the movie. So I was like, they, they kind of like could have, they didn't have to do that. Um, but like once the characters kind of like settled in, like into the movie, once they're like running the house, it got really funny. Like they were, all the characters were hilarious. You got Nick Kroll was really funny. Rob Hubel, uh, who played the cop in it. Will Ferrell, Amy Poehler, Jason Manzukis, who's Rafi from the league is hilarious, but they kind of felt like you were holding him back the whole time. And it, I just... I felt like, and I could be wrong, I felt like the actors either were given way too much room to improvise or they weren't given any room to improvise because it just felt like it was, it, it was just, it was a little uncomfortable. I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on why it wasn't a hilarious movie because everything I would describe was great. The cast was awesome. Uh, Michelle Watkins was in it. Kyle Kinane, who's the voice of Comedy Central, was in it. Cedric Yarbrough was in it. Like, like, you know, Roy Scovel. These are like really funny people that are in this movie. They had a really good cast put together. And, uh, and you know, it just, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't perfect. But, you know, maybe I'll give it another shot. I would suggest seeing it because, you know, maybe, maybe I've like raised my bar way too much for these comedies. But I think, I think the characters were really great. I thought the plot was really funny. And I thought there were a lot of, I was like laughing out of my seat on a couple scenes, but then there were just, a, there were a lot of lines that like didn't land for me. So maybe I'm being a little too harsh. Maybe I'm, maybe my movie critic side is really starting to grow now that I've been doing this, but I would still suggest checking it out only because like it's hard to pass on Will Ferrell, Amy Poehler, and the, <laughs> Jason Manzoukas, who plays Rafi from the league is, it's like, one of the best like YouTube clips is you just go out there and watch and you know just watch like six minutes of Rafi from the league because those lines are amazing and that's I kind of that's what I was kind of hoping for more but they kind of like tamed them down made them made them like a little more relatable I guess <laughs> but that that was fine oh the other thing I had a problem with was 
on you go to IMDb and you read like the write-up of the movie and it was way off the write-up is a dad convinces his friends to start an illegal casino in his basement after he and his wife spend their daughter's college fund a they didn't spend their daughter's college fund they they didn't have the money to spend so they didn't spend it um Will Ferrell didn't convince his friends to start an illegal casino. It was his friend that started Will Ferrell and the wife to do it. And uh, it wasn't even in Will Ferrell's basement. It was in the other guy's house. So, you know, a little spoiler alert, but that all happens in the first, like, 15 minutes anyway. So, you know, relax. Don't go. Don't go crazy. But it's a funny movie, funny concept. Just, uh, what, it just didn't all add up. I don't know. Maybe they, they, they didn't take advantage of their R rating. It kind of felt like every time... It was like going back to the means of PG-13. They realized, they're like, oh, shit, this is R-rated. We can, like, you know, mess around, have some more fun. And, you know, it was like, ah, oh, they needed to kind of stick with that consistently. But whatever, that movie review took about, like, you know, five minutes, you know, for the one-minute movie review. Whatever. I would still suggest seeing it. I, I would maybe wait, hold off until it's, you know, available on streaming and, and don't go see it in the theaters, though. But even though I really like seeing movies in the theaters. Okay, so sports talk. This week, the big action around here was Phil Jackson. And, you know, we can go back to when he was hired three years ago and how everyone was pumped. And even I was pumped, and I'm a Cavaliers fan. But, you know, when Phil Jackson was hired by the Knicks, it kind of seemed like they were going to really make a play for some bigger players, some big free agents in, you know, incorporate the triangle offense and it never really worked out he made a signing the joke him no signing really hurt the team because you know one year later it wasn't even one year later it was a day later where everyone was like okay this was the worst signing ever he's being game paid 17 million dollars to basically be injured or suspended or whatever and not even play and even when he does play he offers zero offensive value and defensively he's in a he's too slow to be like anything anymore and yet they bid against themselves and gave them 17 million a year for four years strapping themselves to the fact that he's got to be on this team and if they want to get rid of him they got to attach a draft pick to it to get him out do the Brock Osweiler trade but it's not going to happen they're going to have to hold on to him because they can't afford to lose any more draft picks so you know that was one of the the, the film mess ups he did nail drafting Porzingis and we'll see what he does with Nitlikina. I still don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, maybe it was Tilikina. I don't know. But, you know, and that's another thing. They thought that if Phil Jackson was fired last week before the draft, he they wouldn't have even picked him. They would have picked Dennis Smith Jr. out of NC State. And I was the one saying they should have drafted him anyway. So we'll see. Uh, now they're going to look to run it, and it's too bad because there was a point guard there that loves to run the floor, but we'll see what they do. Now, they have their picks from here on out. They don't have any traded away, but the jubilation for Phil Jackson getting hired was only surpassed by the jubilation of him getting fired. And his spot, you know what? It, it's fine. They can find someone better than him. So it's not like they lost anything here. They could hire David Griffin from the Cavs, which would be a great move because 
Dan Gilbert was too stupid to let him go because, you know, oh, why would you need a GM on the eve of free agency when you need to appease LeBron James to stay here one more year? You know, it makes no sense. It's like unbelievable. Like, come on, like you just got the championship and now you're going to visit the White House and just like chilling out when you've got like an obviously pretty pressing need to hire a president here. Dan Gilbert is, I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he's got up his sleeve, but it just seems like he's not really focused on the right goals right now. And David Griffin, you know, go to, go to New York, build that team up. If you want to challenge, go there. You have your draft picks. You've got some good young pieces and Porzingis and hopefully Nitlikina and, uh, and yeah, move mellow and get some more picks, get anything, get a young player. So the Phil Jackson news was the big one this week. I think they should replace him with David Griffin. There was a report that they are interested in David Griffin, and I think that'd be stupid to not hire him. I think they should go all in with David Griffin. Um, and, but, you know, that's enough. You know, and that's the thing is basketball free agency, That's this is going to kick off whether they buy out Carmelo Anthony or they trade him. That'll You know, the, the Knicks are going to be a pretty popular team this next week or so. And then you got, you know, the Houston Rockets made a big deal for Chris Paul. And uh, you'll have a lot of other free agents, you know, Gordon Hayward and Blake Griffin. And Paul George might get traded. Basketball is going to be pretty interesting this upcoming week. And that's kind of how it always goes when I'm down on vacation. There's always that rush, you know, the DeAndre Jordan kidnapping in Dallas. The, you know, LeBron James sweepstakes now twice and, you know, a third time next year. But, uh... You know, the, that basketball whole, like, free agency always goes when, you know, that 4th of July week. But anyway, uh, moving on to the real stuff. Let's kick off The Bachelorette. We had two episodes this week. And uh, it was, it was, it was, yeah, they actually kicked it up. You know, like, they made some, you know, Rachel made some pretty interesting cuts. She cut Jack Stone on the date because she just wasn't feeling it. And she cut Josiah she cut uh, Lee on the two-on-one date uh, where she kept Kenny, even though, like, the next day, Kenny and her talked and they both decided that he should leave. She cut Iggy. That wasn't a big deal. Um, Alex was a surprising one. And Anthony was, too. Alex, Anthony, and Josiah and were all pretty, ex- pretty surprising because she had spent a lot of time with Alex. She did a one-on-one with Anthony. Spent a lot of time with Josiah, yet she cut those guys over, you know, two that, you know, kind of surprised were Matt and Adam that were still there. And I just, I was like, wow, like, you know, she stuck around these two guys that I've never even seen her talking to these guys. But I think she's realizing, you know, I've spent time with Anthony. And even though I like him, I'm not so into it. And so she's like, you know, cutting it loose right now. She's like, if I know I'm not that into it, I'm going to cut them for someone that I haven't seen that much of. And that's that's something you don't usually see. You know, if you watch The Bachelor, they will keep the girls, like the guy will keep the girls around if he spent time with them, whether he like really likes them or not. So even if he like kind of likes them, usually like you have to spend time with them. That's kind of the key in The Bachelor. This year in The Bachelorette with Rachel, it's like you just got to make sure the time you spend is right because... All the guys that have talked shit about anyone, they're all gone. Iggy, 
Kenny, Lee, the two guys from the first two episodes, the Waboom and, and, and I think the guy's name was Blake, they're all gone. If you talk shit in your time to her, you're going to be gone. Notice how Eric, a lot of people were talking crap about Eric. He didn't say anything about anyone else. So like as much as he like freaked out at other guys in the house, he didn't talk shit to Rachel about any of them. And that's why he's still around because she like kind of values that. So, I mean, we're close to hometowns and I, um, I, you know, Josiah was in my top four only because I thought she would have two white guys and two black guys. I thought ABC was kind of going to go that route, but now there's only Eric. Eric's the only, only black guy left because she also sent home Will, which was probably the biggest surprise of the week was that Will, a guy that she, it looked like she liked so much and she was just like, you know what? No, I'm not totally feeling it. She sent him home and they kind of didn't really make it a big deal, which was crazy. And these aren't just, these aren't just guys not getting roses. These are like guys on dates. Will and Jack Stone uh, were on dates and she was like, no, I'm not feeling it. I'm sorry. Bye. It's like, wow, damn. Like this girl, she is not, <laughs> not messing around, you know? So it's, it should be interesting. I think they're down to seven right now. Uh, I still really like Peter's chances of winning it all. And um, I think Dean is, I think Dean's going to be like a lock to be next year's bachelor. He's 25. He's handsome. He's funny. He's young. And, you know, they haven't had a young bachelor in a couple years now. And even, you know, Rachel's in her 30s. So I think they need to like change it up and go, go a little bit a little bit younger this year, so, or, well, in January, but I think that's, uh, I think that's the route they got to go with, and, uh, yeah, so for my top four of this week, uh, for, you know, my hometowns, I would say definitely Peter, definitely Brian, those are the two guys she spent the most time with, and obviously has a connection with them, I would say Dean makes it to hometowns now, and, uh, the final guy for, for hometowns, I guess Eric, I, I don't think she'll have four white guys in hometowns. I um I know that shouldn't be like the reasoning, but like, you know, with ABC getting in trouble about not showing them off like diversity, I don't think they're gonna I I mean I I don't know. I, I honestly I, I it's this is all new stuff, but I think I think she'll get Eric there because she's still interested in him, but I don't think I don't think he's a finalist. I think he just makes it to hometowns. And I think Peter and Brian will be the last two guys. And I think she's going to pick Peter. Like, they get along. He's around her same age. They get this whole, like, gap tooth thing that they connect on. But I actually like him. I think he's a cool guy. And it seems like she's really into him. Okay. And next week, it should be a lot of fun. They're, they're, they're now recording Bachelor in Paradise again. So, like, you know, hallelujah. We're back. Let's go. And uh, I think... I think it's going to be a great August for that too. So, Bachelor probably closing up in the next two weeks or so. Yeah, they they make these cuts fast. You'd be surprised. They might go from seven right on down to four, but I think they might try and span this out a little bit now that Bachelor in Paradise had to have that like one week hiatus or whatever. I'm not sure how filming all works with that. So, we'll see when they're ready for that if they need to extend this at all to kind of like you know, stretch out the summer a little bit. But anyway, that's, um, that's going to be it for this week. 
And I was, I'm really excited for next week going into OBX. Going to have a special episode down there. Going to make it all Outer Banks themed. Going to have a couple guests on. It's going to be a really great time. Really excited to see all the cousins, aunts and uncles, grandkids. It's going to be a really great time down there. And until then, I hope everyone enjoys their 4th of July weekend. Be safe, be smart. Red, white, and blue coming through. All right. Have a good one. See you guys next week. Thank you.